0: For over 75 years, Moses has served this region with hustle, integrity, and caring. Our core values are what make us the number one provider of complete customer care, from sales to our service and parts departments, all the way to our body shop.
1: I'm Reese Kurtner, and this is In Your Business. Season one of In Your Business is presented by Moses Auto Mall of Huntington. Online at MosesMeansMore.com and powered by the Huntington Regional Chamber of Commerce. And Kindred Communications. Today, we're sitting down at the table of a true culinary institution. Jim's Sagan Spaghetti has been serving generations of patrons for an incredible 85 years. In this special episode, we'll sit down with Larry and Bradley Tweel, the son and grandson of Jim Tweel, the founder of Jim's. Join us as we uncover the secrets to the remarkable success, such as building unwavering customer loyalty, honoring tradition, to nurturing a team where some employees have been with the restaurant for 30 to 40 years. Plus, learn the stories behind Strawberry Pie Week, the We Are Marshall movie, finally accepting credit cards, and even adding Diet Coke to the menu. So grab a seat and get ready to savor the insights from a restaurant that's not just a business, but a true Huntington icon. Let's get in your business. Bradley Larry introduce yourself just so we can put a voice to the to the name. Go ahead Bradley.
2: Bradley Tweel, general manager Jim Steak and Spaghetti House. Larry?
3: Larry Tweel, one of the owners of Jim Steak and Spaghetti House. The other two are my older sister Jimmy Tweel Carter who now resides in Nashville, Tennessee, and Ron Tweel who is a lawyer, retired lawyer, and lives in Charlottesville, Virginia.
1: And, And Jim was your father.
3: Jim was our father. Yes. And
1: more importantly, or as importantly, Sally was our mother that's that's exactly right well let's get started by you know if you can share the story of how the restaurant was founded 85 years ago um talk, talk about that let's start there let's start back in 85 years ago well
3: i'm going to do the talking on that part since bradley's only 40 and i'm not sure he knows all of the story well you're not 85 so but <laughs> no but I, i'm 79 and i'm closer to the uh, original starting point uh my dad, Jim Twill, was dating a young lady from Beckley, Sally Rayhall. Uh, both being Lebanese, both being descendants of uh, families from Kefir, Lebanon, the same little town, and they were dating long distance, and it uh, grew into more than just a casual thing. They really were seriously contemplating getting married. But my mother, who happened to have a little dress shop in Beckley, said, Jim, I love you. I want to marry you, but you're working for uh, your uncle down at the Art Linen shop on Ninth Street, making not very much money. You need to buy a business. The Lebanese culture is to be owners of businesses, okay. small, large, whatever. We were more in the the commercial field than certainly the medical field or uh, coal miners or anything like that. So uh, Dad borrowed $1,550 from his Uncle Toofy Nasser, who owned the Art Linen Shop, and bought Kennedy Dairy Bar at 925th Avenue and opened it up as Jim's Dairy Bar uh, June 9 of 1938. Mom and Dad got married January twenty nine of nineteen thirty nine. Right, so he fulfilled his promise, and Mom fulfilled her promise to marry him.
1: So, so what was the uh, what was the Dairy Bar like?
3: It was really ice cream, uh, sandwiches. No, no meals of any uh, major por- proportion. Uh, You know, a fast, quote, fast food place for 1938, 39. Okay. But ice cream was a big deal. Uh, Sandwiches were a big deal. Soda fountain? Was
1: that a part of it, too? Uh,
3: You know, I believe they did have a soda fountain back then, and, and they pretty much did the same type thing until 1944 when a gentleman uh, by the name of, and I'll let Bradley help me. Roberto Elmore. Roberto Elmore came in and said, Jim, he had a little accent, I'd like to open up a spaghetti place. And dad said, well, you know, let's give it a shot. He had a recipe, uh, Roberto did. So dad was in the part of the building where the Counter is, and that was it. It was just a shotgun where the counter is today. Yes. Yeah. And it was just straight back, and that was all they had. They rented the uh, st- storeroom to the right or, or east of where the main restaurant, main uh, dairy bar was, yeah. and remodeled it and opened it up as uh, Jim's uh, spaghetti house. Okay. Then in 1948, I believe, they cut down the wall and combined it it, it. it was still Jim's Dairy Bar and Jim's Spaghetti House. Then they called it Jim's Grill and Spaghetti House. Okay. pretty much stayed the same until 1962 when they remodeled and rented the western portion of okay. the restaurant. Okay. And uh, they had hired an architect from Columbus— Came in, redid the whole place, and it almost looks identical today sure. as to what it did in '62.
1: Well, let's. I mean, let's. So that's it's, it is. It's a it's a fascinating story, and we just kind of covered that mm-hmm. from 1938 to, to 1962. Talk about the the family's involvement in the business now. You know, Bradley's third generation. How has that been over those last 85 years? The family. It's always been a family business.
3: Right. My mother and dad both worked it in the late 30s, 40s. Once uh, the three of us, my sister's four years older than I am, so she's 82, 83, and my brother's a year and a half younger. So once we got into the elementary, junior high period of time, mom kind of quit working and uh, dad had a regular staff. I mean, I think you and I have talked about the fact that uh, my dad, uh, before the war started, had a young African-American by the name of C.M. Gray. His nickname was Bunny. He applied just to work and he worked for about six months and then he went into the Navy, learned how to cook and came back after the war and, and said, Mr. Twill, I'd like to come back to work for you. And my dad said well of course bunny i'd love to have you back you were a good worker before and i i know you'll be even better now and uh, bunny said well i only have one condition and my dad said what's that he said well i only come back is as long as i can go as far as my talents will take me and dad understood the implication uh Thomas skin color, he yes. him being an African American, yes. Mister Gray or Bunny, as we called him, and that's uh, it. No, I, I listen. <laughs> I'm Lebanese in, in a in a, a, a world that doesn't necessarily always respect people from the Middle East. So, yeah, any you can go as far as you talents will take you. Sure, and hard work. Well, by 1955, he was named general manager. And according to Jim Casto, Mr. Huntington, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Jim says he was, Mr. Gray was the first African-American general manager of a non-African-American business sure. in the whole tri-state Amazing.
1: Area. Yeah. I mean, stories like that I, I just, I love. And I, I learned that this summer. You told me that story, yeah. you know, at your 85th anniversary celebration. So when did, you know,
2: your sister reigned it for, for how long?
3: Yeah, well, Brad probably can not tell you that.
2: She was there from 1994 until uh, right around 2000, right around when COVID. 2020, yeah. okay. 2020, I'm sorry, I said 2000. 1994 to 2020, right around when COVID hit was when she decided to kind of, Step back a little bit.
1: Did you work? Did you work at the restaurant growing up? Growing up, I started
3: when I was about eleven or twelve. I was a busboy. Okay, and then by the time I was fourteen, I was helping with the carryouts and doing some of the cash, uh, cashiering. And then off and on during college and uh, law school, I would come back and work. And one time, my dad had an illness after I got out of law school, and he was off for about three months, and I came in, and I was uh, Bunny's right-hand person at the time because my dad wasn't there, and we needed or would like to have had a twill I got male it. working, so I worked there, and, but my dad eventually got better and came back to work, and I haven't worked basically since.
1: So what was it like? You know, when, <clears throat> How long... How long did Jim work full time at at Jim's? And then when did that transition, you know, start kind of taking place between from him to Jimmy? Well, Jimmy, like Bradley said, Jimmy started in 1994.
3: Right. And to pinpoint it exactly is difficult. Dad died in 2005. And for the three to four years before he died. He was uh, there at the end of the counter, greeting people, That's smiling, right. Being the face, remembering some names, forgetting others. Uh, he kind of slowly drifted into having a little mental issues, I understand. And, and he died uh, on June 9th, Okay, this the store's anniversary day. Wow, jeez, uh, uh, <laughs> two thousand and five. Yeah, at, he was almost ninety. Okay, and uh, so that that Jimmy. When she was hired in 94, she came back from Nashville, left her family, came back to Nashville uh, to learn the business and take it over. And by 1998 or so, she was the general manager. Sure. Uh, She and and Mr. Gray, because Mr. Gray actually slowed down before my dad did and died before my dad. And uh, so Jimmy Jimmy was a manager for... 20 years. Okay.
2: Bradley, when did you start? I started uh, right out of college in 2006. I didn't really know what I was going to do with my career at that point. And I can remember that we always did family dinner on Sunday nights, me and my mom and my dad and my aunt. And I just kind of looked at her and I said, I need a job. I'm not making any money. I'm, <laughs> I, I need something to do and so she said well come down and work for me and i said sounds good so i started out literally doing cash uh being a just a to-go person kind of a to-go person slash cashier and i was that for maybe a year or so as not a lot of people know nothing moves fast at gyms it takes a while the the food moves i was gonna say yeah no i got it The, the food moves fast but 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 going up in rank, that takes a while. So I did that for, I think, two years, maybe. And then I realized that I wanted to do something in the financial field, which is what I got my degree at Marshall for. So I went to become a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. It was actually called Smith Barney back then. Uh, So I went there in 2008. 2008. Which was not the greatest time because the market crashed at that point. That's right. And uh, I was actually in training when it crashed. And, you know, it was coming out of that was a tough gig. You know, nobody really wanted to talk to a financial advisor at that time because every financial advisor was a villain. (laughs) And uh, so I did that for about two or three years, I think three. And then I decided I did not want to do that anymore. It was just not in my blood. And I again asked my aunt, can I come to work for you again? And she said yes. And so I started out again in the same spot I was. uh, But it turned into that she knew and I knew that I was going to be more valuable uh learning the business and figuring it out so i worked my way up to an assistant manager and was that until uh COVID, uh which was about three or four years ago uh to where i became the general manager but i as as my dad said you know he was bunny's right hand man i was her right hand man. that's right i did uh a lot of behind the scenes stuff that she didn't want to do any longer. That was very time consuming. And, uh, she was, she was more of Mr. Tweel, and I was more of bunny.
1: I got it. So, I mean, you know, working in a, in a family business, Bradley, what's it, what's it like working in a family business like this? There's a, there's a lot of second generation businesses. There's not many third, uh, you know, third generation businesses. I mean, what's, 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 what was, I got a couple of questions on this. I mean, okay. what was, what did you think Jim's, what did you think of Jim's taking spaghetti when you were a kid growing up, versus what what you think about it now? And again, what's it like working in the family business? So when I was
2: when I was growing up, I did you know when I was real young, like four or five or six, uh, one of the people that have been here been there a long time. Her name was Sharon Price. She was kind of a head cashier slash manager. Uh, she managed the front, the waitresses. And she would sit me on the counter uh, near the cash register and tell me which buttons to push. Okay, and so I would push the buttons and I'd hit the thing, and then she'd give me the change, and I'd hand it back to the kid or to the <laughs> to the uh, customers. So I got a real a real early start in it. Yeah, um, when knowing Jim's back in the day, I really never thought I would work there. It wasn't anything that I disliked about it. It just wasn't something that. I thought was going to happen for me. Uh, it was a special place to go. We'd always go there. We'd always have to be on our best behavior because my grandfather was, you know, he wanted us to set an example for people. So uh, it was, I've always thought of it as a warm, fuzzy place because it was, uh, it was kind of like our second home when we'd go there compared to now to where it's my job and it still has all those feelings for me, but it's definitely more serious, more, uh, you know, uh, this is the place of business. Uh, people are counting on me. People are doing things. So it's definitely a different role as it was back in the day.
0: Moses Amal of Huntington has been a region's premier Cadillac dealership for over 20 years. To see our selection of new and pre-owned Calax, visit us online at MosesMeansMore.com.
1: What about you? Know, challenges of working in a, in a family business, too? I mean, both of you all can, can talk about that.
3: Uh, when you work in a family business, there are times when disagreements can get personal just because of the relationship, Sure.
1: you can take the disagreement home, yes, right? It should
2: end at five o'clock or when the restaurant closes. Correct. But now, this is mom, this is dad, this is well, aunt. The, you the, know, the good thing about our family and and, and the family businesses is, is we all really get along. Like there, I have no hard feelings towards any of my family members. I love all of them, and uh, whether we did disagree, because we did. I mean, we're we're humans. We disagree all the time. Not all the time, but we disagree. And uh, so we could have a argument or a disagreement, and then 10 minutes later, uh, we're hugging it out and loving each other. That's right. So um, it is difficult, but with our family, I think we're all a lot on the same page a lot of the time. you agree with me on that?
3: I would, and that's because we've really followed the formula that – my dad established and Mr. Gray established. Sure. And, uh, one example I, I will give you is that when either my dad or, or Bunny would hire people, he would tell them that it's a, a good place to work. Uh, we're open. We like to discuss things. But for the first six months that you're here, Don't try to change anything or suggest anything new because we've got a formula and we would like for you to experience how we do it and our formula. And then after six months to a year, if you've got some suggestions, we'll be glad to listen probably won't take (laughs) heed of them right? because my dad, along with Bunny and Sharon and Phyllis and Martha and the the key old employees, they had it down the way they liked it. It may not be the way uh, restaurant A or restaurant D does it, but Jim's had a way of doing things and they really didn't want to stray too far from the formula that worked for them. That's
2: right. So we we still do stuff to this day the way my grandfather and Bunny had
3: like it like done.
2: what? Oh wow, you asked me too fast. Um, well, I mean the menu is is I mean menu, how
1: how the menu what's changed. the menu like today versus like like it was fifty years ago?
3: Uh, we had white yeah. starched uniforms forever. That's right. And the only reason we changed is they company that made them the only company changed how they made them and took away part of the uniform and my dad and bunny didn't and my sister didn't Mm -hmm. like the change so we compromised and went with pants
2: and uh polo shirt well he's a little bit not correct on that one that was so the the company that we bought it from uh just totally stopped making the uniform okay um we went to another person who uh we asked if they could have if they could make the uniforms like this they said sure we can do that for 150 dollars a uniform i was gonna say yeah and as everyone knows uh the restaurant industry, even though we have long-time employees has turnover and so to i mean we would have invested way more in a uniform that we needed to so we had to go to a black pants and a white shirt if that company was still making those uniforms, we'd still be in them. I got it. Uh, but it's just something that we, fe- you know, feasibly could not do. Uh, we we do we we cook noodles and strings and sauce and and all of the food the same way Mister Gray had it done. Use the same recipes he used uh, back in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do just certain policies and procedures the same way. Um, we have a saying down there that says, we don't do it your way, we do it the gym's way. That's right. And the gym's way is how we're going to continue to do it. And we have changed a few things, but mostly the things that we do down there are from my grandfather and from Mr. Gray.
1: You know, you mentioned some of those employees that have been with you for such a long time. And that was one of the takeaways that, that, that I got during the 85th anniversary celebration, you had, you had people raise their hand if you've been with us five years, 10 years, so forth and so on. A number of people either are there now for 30 or 40 years or were there for, for 34 years. I mean, what, what do you think has contributed to that that long-term loyalty for those employees to, to stick with gyms? It's basically that they were treated with respect.
3: There was no yelling allowed, no cursing You spoke to your employees, and the employees spoke to management in a respectful tone. And that doesn't mean there was always 100% agreement. Of course. But if there was a disagreement, it was done in an adult fashion. We didn't believe in yelling and screaming and being verbally abusive or physically abusive. Of course. And and pretty pretty much a... uh, Strict uh, formula that uh, my dad and Mr. Gray used. Sure. Par- Talking about the the uniforms, Bradley. Tell them about Martha and so her so uniform.
2: Martha was an employee that has been there for uh, fifty plus. plus years. She started out working for my grandmother at her house and as a my, domestic. A, yeah. Okay. As, I got it. As like, right. Yeah. And. Uh, My grandmother, who is very uh, opinionated, and Martha, who was very opinionated, did not get along. Uh, Meshing like that together, they got along. They just butted heads, we'll put it that way. And so she told my grandfather, take this woman down to the store and have her work down there, and she never left. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. To add to that, he He knows more about that, but that's semi-right. Her name was Martha
3: Smith. Yes. She ended up marrying uh, uh, Mr. Baker, and she became Martha Baker. But when she worked for my mother, she was 19. My sister was like 14. I was like 10, and my brother was 8. And Martha was a fan of rock and roll and dance music. And mother said all Martha wanted to do was listen to rock and roll and teach your children how to dance so jim take her to the restaurant and put her to work and so that's what happened she went to the restaurant and worked for
2: 55 57 years so so that's let, let that's Brantley the story finish. of martha she passed away oh, seven to eight years ago And, you know, Martha was a a, a longtime employee of ours, and and she was, you know, basically family to all of us. And when she died, she was buried in her casket in her white uniform. Oh, my gosh. And uh, her brother, who lives in town, uh, this is when we were still wearing the uniforms. He gave us all of her uniforms that she had. And I'm not talking five. I'm talking like Twenty-five or thirty, right? And uh, so, back and going back to the employees and the longevity, uh, the the employees are, are have been there so long because we treat them well. Uh, we treat them with respect. Uh, we honor uh, what they do. They are there a long, They work long, hard hours. And the other reason they stay is they. They're like family. That's right. I mean, I will say this and I will say it till I'm blue in the face. I spend more time with my people at work than I spend with my family. That's right. So they are my family. That's right. Uh, so if you treat your family well, they will turn around and treat you well. So we treat our employees with respect and they treat us with respect. And they've found that this is a great, good place to work. And they've just, a lot of them don't leave.
1: That's great. You know, so. We talked about restaurant A, B, and C, and, and, and so forth, and you know every restaurant is is trying to get just customers in and stay relevant and, and all that stuff. How how has Jim stayed relevant for eighty five years?
2: How how has it worked for oh, eighty five years? Let, let me let me start by saying <laughs> the main reason reason number one that we have stayed busy and stayed uh, relevant for eighty five years is consistency. We have people that have not been there for, they'll come in and say, oh, I haven't been here for 20 years, but it tastes the exact same. That's right. And that's tough in the restaurant business. Of course. You know, uh, that is not easy to do. And that's because we do things the Jim's way. That's right. Again. Yeah. Uh, So everything tastes the same because we don't delve from what we know that works. Quality, consistency, ambiance, good food, good service. Those were my grandfather's. Uh, words of wisdom, and uh, number one is consistency. We are consistently putting out the same product that we have for the last, I wouldn't say 85 years because it was a dairy dairy bar, but for the last 50, 60, 70 years.
3: When you have the same people cooking for you for 40 or 50 years or serving for 40 or 50 years, then – It's easier to be consistent than it is if you have a large amount of turnover. Sure. Uh, For instance, I'm talking about Martha again. She pretty much ran the counter. Okay. You've eaten at the counter. Absolutely. That's right. Now, nowadays, you don't always have the same person, but that was her station, and that was when Anderson Newcomb was in business and Bradshaw Deal and the smart shop. And the, there was a lot of businesses downtown that their management would come by themselves for lunch and sit on the counter and they would talk amongst themselves. Of course. They knew each other, but they didn't have a lunch date. They just met at gyms. Well, Martha knew what they wanted to eat most of the time because they a lot of times they ate the same thing. So when she saw them walking in the door, she turned their order in. they even sat down and if if they said well martha i don't think i want that today she'd say no john this is what you're getting (laughs) too late (laughs) too late (laughs) so she was the counter boss i mean she she was great and the girl the girl girl was named phyllis she worked there from the age of 15 to the age of 75 when
1: she had to quit sure and and let me add something too on on the the consistency part too. Yes, there's no doubt that Jim's is consistent. But I'll add the recipe was right. You didn't have to change it too much, right? You know, or every other restaurant will be doing the same thing, but they're not because they're still trying to find that that magic recipe that that's, that that a place like Jim's has.
2: Yes, uh, we have a lot of loyal customers in the tri-state area and people that have moved away. Um, that's one part of the success story at gyms is the customers. I mean, like I say, the the employees are my family. Well, the customers, I, I see some of them every day. Sure, I see some of them two times a week, three times a week, or one time a week even. So you get to know the customers and you get to talk to them and you get to know their story and their life story and their work story. And so, you know, they'll come in and I know more about them than a lot of people do
3: and if the tartar sauce or the slaw isn't just up to par they'll let bradley know you no, know because yes. they know the taste just as well as bradley does yeah
1: the yeah. slaw sauce are the – Now I'm not a slaw guy. Sorry. The tartar sauce is amazing. Yes. It, it, it is. That's something Love that's
2: homemade. Yes. Yeah. It, homemade. Never change the – don't change it. If it ain't broke, not How old is that recipe for the
1: tartar sauce? The
2: pro, I mean, it's bunnies. Yeah. so We're going back. Yeah. Yeah. F- 50s, <laughs> however 60s.
1: Old his, yeah. However Yeah.
2: However, when he made
1: it. Talk about, you know, some – restaurants have gyms has gone through some changes and and gyms had to deal with 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 covid and so forth i mean how have you adapted to challenges how did gyms deal with covid let's start there
2: so uh we dealt with covid by we we closed down for six weeks which pretty much some people did and some people didn't but we decided in our best interest that's what we were going to do so we closed down for six weeks but before we closed, we did to-go, and we didn't lay anybody off when we we were doing to goes. We kept everybody, and we did that for about a month, six weeks, somewhere in that area. Then we closed for six weeks, and then it started to turn out to be a little bit better. Uh, so we decided we were going to open up two weeks for selling sauce. So we sold sauce f- for two weeks, which only three of us were there uh no three of us five of us were there um then we started doing two weeks on just carry out and then after that we went back in uh six feet apart uh we did something like every other booth um one of the things that i think saved us and is is card payment uh We started taking cards way before COVID, not way before COVID, but I think 2019 was when we started. And uh, with the way COVID went, nobody wanted to touch anything, touch money, uh, a lot of contactless payment. And that uh, was something that really was beneficial to our business. It's still beneficial today. Uh, I know I, mean, I know on the that. other yeah. side of this table, that's one of the reasons you now come is because we do take a card. And, true. and you're not going to lie to me and say that you no, are. You no, know, it's, it's he, true. You've told it to me before. I just,
1: I was not a guy who I I probably have $11 in my pocket right now if I had to guess. And I just I don't carry cash. Right. I'm one yeah. of those kids. That's okay.
2: I mean, you know, I'm 41 semi old that kid. way.
1: Um, talk about that. I mean, it was – Jim's was a holdout for – ever on taking cards jim still took Do you all still take checks yes takes checks yes (laughs) so let me talk about that i get i understand the expense on credit cards trust me let me tell you what my dad used to do if
3: you came in 1985 and you forgot your billfold or you didn't have any money he would have you sign the ticket put it underneath the drawer and say to the customer, now, whenever you get back downtown, you just come by and bring the money. Sure. And he never lost a dollar. I believe that, I do. My dad had a way about him that made everybody feel comfortable. And he uh, he did some things that um, a lot of folks don't even know, for instance, I'll give you an example. When he would go to the bank and he went to the bank every day, he would tip the teller
1: 50 cents. I know this story. My mom was a bank teller and uh, keep keep going.
3: Well, that's the story.
1: Well, I mean, let me add. So so yeah. it's illegal, though, to tip a, a bank teller. But they're not. No, I'm being serious. This is my mom's side yeah. of the story. My mom worked at, yeah. at Bank One Chase or whatever yeah. it was before that. Um, in a couple of other branches that you Yes. And she would tell a story, a fifty cent piece. Bank tellers were not supposed to accept a tip or money from a customer. <laughs> and just became what it just became it's Jim, just take it, it's fine. Uh, yeah. That is that, that's that, her true story on that. That that
3: is absolutely the truth. And he would get silver dollars and if you came in and it was your birthday and he did this a lot for younger kids. He would give them a silver dollar, put it in their hand, look them in the eye and say, you hold on to this. This is going to bring you good luck. And you can't believe the number of people over the years who have come to me and said, your dad gave me a silver dollar and I still have
2: it. Oh, I have people that tell me that all the time. Oh, yeah. Still. Yeah. Like last week, probably.
0: Moses Audemol of Huntington has been the region's professional-grade GMC dealership for over 20 years. To see our selection of new and pre-owned GMCs, visit us online at mosesmeansmore.com.
1: So Jim's uh, took... Credit cards in, in, in 2019, approximately somewhere around there. And like I said, the I mean, restaurant industry has changed so much over the last five or two. Well, let's just say over the last three years since COVID. I mean, it seems like every restaurant has a rewards program or a you know membership program, delivery, online ordering, that kind of stuff. Again, Jim's just stuck to that that traditional, you know, that same consistent recipe. Um, what are your all's thoughts on those restaurant trends, and you know, that's the way the customer wants, and, and so forth.
2: So, like, with delivery and Grubhub, yeah. that's one of those things, or Grubhub, DoorDash, whatever right. you want to say. You know, we already do a strong takeout business. Uh, we're very uh, prompt in our, in our takeout. It usually doesn't take you very long if you call. The most you're going to wait is probably, like, 20 minutes, and that's if we're really busy. Um, with the delivery, uh, the problem with it from us – from our standpoint is, is, uh, the, the actual delivery, uh, you know, people come pick up their food at gyms. They take it home. It's hot. It's good. Uh, it's fresh with the delivery. I'm, I'm, I'm always concerned of how long is it sitting in that car? How many right. more deliveries does that guy have to do? And then when he takes it to that place and it's not good, they don't call DoorDash and complain. They call the restaurant That's and right. complain. And it's one of those things to where our takeout business is so strong. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So it's not broken. And while I love, I would love to do delivery or something like that, because that's kind of the way a trend is going. It's just not feasible for I got us. Uh, you know, all those lots of places that do DoorDash and, and, and Grubhub, uh, there are a lot bigger conglomerates than gyms. Sure. There are some small businesses that do it and I understand why they do it, but it's kind of like, why am I going to mess with something that already works? I understand, And uh, that's kind of where we go with it. The, the real thing is, is, is man, I, I just, I don't want to compromise the quality of the food by giving it to a delivery person who I don't know what they're going to do.
3: Sure. I think, you know, this story uh, but we had placemats, and Dad used to ask customers to fill out and put in a little jar uh, slogans okay. like smile, have a great day. And he would put them on the placemats, and periodically we changed change the placemats. Well, uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Jeff Hood, mm-hmm. uh, who has passed away recently... Mm-hmm. He was a year ahead of me in high school. He came up with this slogan in big letters, change, and then down beneath that in smaller letters, if you're looking for change, go across the street to the bank. (laughs) Love it. Jim's doesn't change. (laughs) Right. And that's pretty much been the theme of our restaurant. The pictures have been up. For a long time, we occasionally will get a new one, but uh, uh, you know the pictures of Ollie and Kennedy and Billy Joel and the coaches and Tubby Smith and you know we've got a bunch of yeah, Ted Pennington yeah, and we got a lot of old band pictures because Dad used to open at seven a.m. and close at two thirty in the morning. Okay, so they were open seven a.m. all the way because there was parties and bands and there was a nightclub across the river that had big band sound and people would come over to gyms afterwards uh, sober or not sober and have something to eat so that all changed with uh, the times and dad went to uh, 11 to 9 oh gosh 20-25 years ago
2: but my my grandfather was was uh, what we call a workaholic. He loved work. He would go to, he'd go to, to the restaurant, even when they started opening at 11, he'd get down there at 630 in the morning and have his coffee and do whatever he did, which he would, my dad would probably know more about what he did, <laughs> but he was just someone that, that, that loved to be there and loved to work. And my dad, and I don't know if it was anybody else, but I know it was you had to, and I'm sure it was other parts of your family, they had to convince him to close on Monday because that was the only way he would not work.
3: Wow. Well, he... Correct? Yes, exactly. (laughs) What what happened was he had some heart issues and he had to have bypass surgery. And when he came back, he was trying to go back to a a six-day-a-week job and it just was wearing him out. So Mom and I got together and said, Dad, Jim, you're going to have to close either Saturday or Monday. It's your choice. Okay. But you're closing one of those days because we want you to be around for a while. Of course. So he, he decided on Monday, and we've been closing for Mondays.
2: That's ever yeah. since
1: I've been alive. Yeah. You know, so we, we talked about, you know, when, when, when Bradley got involved in the restaurant— you know, going from it's always been a family family business, but how has that su- succession plan kind of been? Um, you know, you know what's I'm trying to figure out how, to, how I want to ask this. Um, well, let me tell you, there's not much of a plan.
3: We just kind of well, okay, go good. by the seat of our pants. Yeah, whatever is happening at the moment, as long as it's working, we continue with it. If things change, then will have to change i mean if something were to happen to bradley and he couldn't manage the restaurant i'm 79 i'm not going to manage it Uh, jimmy's been retired my brother has no interest in coming to huntington to manage it so there's really no family member to carry it on it was
2: one of those things where where you know like he said we don't have like a plan or anything. Even like when my aunt decided to not or retire or slow down or not work anymore. It, I mean, it wasn't anything that she had planned in her mind of all it just kinda all happened I got at it. one time. Yeah. And uh you know, my aunt uh she has uh only one one lung and when COVID hit, you know, my dad and I were petrified of you know, something bad happened to her because of what COVID was, it was a respiratory disease where it affected, you know, people that had trouble breathing and she was in that category. So when COVID hit, uh, we basically locked her in our apartment and no, said, right. don't come out <laughs> yeah. until it no. gets better.
1: Well, and I think, you know, again, we're talking about that consistency over and over, over again. If there's one lesson from this, I think consistency is the, is the key to what we're talking about here. But, you know, I think your customers like, seen a Tweel at gyms, there, there's no question in my mind. I mean, if I take somebody who's never been to gyms, you know, I'll whisper, "Oh, that's that's Bradley. That's uh, you know, his grandfather was Jim." And you know, they, you know, sometimes they know the story. Most of the times, they don't. If they've never been before, they probably don't know it. So, yeah. you know, and they like that story of knowing that a third generation person is there, or just you know, a family member is there. Some, there's some businesses and restaurants, you know, and and, and establishments where. You know, one person or one family—they're the face of the the business. And again, that la- Tweels—they're the face of of gyms today. I think you're absolutely right. Reeves. You, you you know you're kind of in a family
3: business. That's right. Uh, so it, it it does mean a lot to have a Tweel uh, there. Uh, and I'll use Donny Ray when he was general manager of WSAZ. He would always bring out of town guests in because. He knew that my dad would take time to talk to the newbie in town yep. and give him a cup of coffee or treat him somehow uh, to uh, make them feel special.
2: Yep. So we still do that to this day of uh, our, our waitresses or wait, our staff, waitresses, waiters, say um, – they will come up to me and say, You know, I got a first timer in my first booth over here. So that means I, that's thats my cue uh, to uh, take this basket of candy, <clears throat> uh, peppermint patties, gum, mints, and I go over to their table and I say, I hear it's your first time at gyms. <clears throat> and they, Sometimes are confused and say, well, yeah. And then sometimes they're excited and say, yes, because they don't know what's going to happen. That's right. Uh, You're not going to sing and dance to them. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I usually, okay, first time, how did you enjoy it? Where are you from? How did you hear about us? And that strikes up a conversation and it makes them feel welcome and it makes them feel uh like they're not just a number that's right they're not customer number 37 of the day but they are somebody who we want to know a little bit about that's right uh i try to do it for everybody you know i can't do it for everyone because some people don't tell them it's your first time of course. And if you don't tell me it's your first time i can't i'm not nostradamus i can't read your <laughs> mind so uh usually the waitresses will uh inform me uh and give me a little heads up on who it is and i try to make it over there it's very interesting to see how many people we get that are new uh and how and where they came from and how they've heard about us if it's people that are just coming in with just by themselves brand new i usually like to ask them how they heard about us Did you hear about us from facebook or from your hotel or or did you google us or how did you hear about us because it's just interesting to see how did you find a little old restaurant in huntington west virginia and um, it makes them feel welcome, and it puts a smile on ninety nine point nine percent of everybody's face. So let's let's talk about some of the, some of the
1: memorable moments in the history of GEMS. And we've we've hinted about the, the Kennedy booth a couple of times. Can you share the story of of, of John F. Kennedy making a stop in Huntington and, and getting a bite to eat at GEMS? How many one? How many presidents have hit presidents have stopped in uh, gyms? Dad, uh, there is a picture of. Uh,
3: Clinton, ninety six. I remember that. But that was we took food over to the railroad station. Got it. And got a picture of Clinton. I think with my dad or mom or yeah. somebody.
2: The that only who, person he, to ever been in there is is Kennedy. Did Bush, Bush come by, or did you? Bush. say you kind of. There's a picture Bush, of Bush and Jim, yeah, right? He he came to Huntington, yes. and my and my grandfather went to the Double Tree, okay, and met him. Okay, so all right,
1: they, the the Kennedy booth, Let me tell the story about. Well, he was in town
3: in, in southern West Virginia running for president in 1960, and he came to lunch with Ken Heckler, who happened to be our congressman yep. and who lived across the street above the pancake business, Okay, and David Fox, Jr., who owned a, a business and who was a pretty uh, involved Democrat. Okay, And I think that's— the, that was the, the
2: that was the only two there. Yeah, that was there. the
3: only two with Kennedy in, and that, they, in that
2: picture. Yeah, in that picture, and in,
3: yes. in that picture was also Phyllis, who worked the age fifteen to age seventy five. Okay. She was in that picture in nineteen sixty, uh, and all we've had. You know, Muhammad Ali was in the restaurant. Uh, Billy Joel's been in the restaurant. Uh, Marcel Marceau, the the Dagmar,
2: who mm -hmm. was from
1: Huntington.
3: that's
2: right. The Juds.
1: What other what other memorable moments in
2: the history of the restaurant? That you know
1: some stories that we've left out.
2: A a thing that I will is pretty interesting to me is uh, we are Marshall movie.
1: Okay, let's talk about that.
2: Um, So, Boones that is in the movie uh, is modeled after Jim's. It's no secret. Clearly, uh, the whoever wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. said that uh, you know he wanted it to call it gems. Uh, it just didn't work out to call it gems.
3: They used our condiments.
2: Uh, They've as they used part
3: of the oh really set. I mean the the set used the salt and pepper and sugar and all that. And, and the coffee menu.
2: cups and coffee yeah. pots. Okay. Those okay. were all, we shipped those all to them or they took them from me. I can't Got remember. <laughs> and, uh, so he wanted to call it Jim's, but it just isn't, didn't work out. So he called it Boon's, but he said it will always be Jim's to him. Uh, the, part about the owner not being in support of the football team he wanted to say that that was just dramatization that was not true um but we still have a menu that says boons over at the restaurant now it's got a little water damage because we had a flood a couple years okay but we still have it
3: one of the issues we had though is they wanted us to shut down for two to three weeks do a little bit of remodeling and Really weren't interested in compensating us for it. So that doesn't we, sound like the Jim's way to me. We we didn't <laughs> we didn't necessarily need the publicity, uh, uh, and we were we appreciated them coming in and shooting the movie. And the movie was great. As a matter of fact, my wife and I flew out to uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. for the premiere out there, and we're very supportive. Of the movie and Marshall, but it's just not Dad's way to shut the restaurant down, or remodel
2: it, or Or remodel it, or change it. And they were supportive of us, like uh, on the when they premiered at uh, the Keith Albee down Mm here, McGee and Basil, and I'm I'm gonna mess his name up. So they show up front door. One of the things I'll Mm -hmm. always remember with with them are uh, you know they came in, they said, well, let us buy something. Okay, what do you want? Give us two pieces of pie so we can have it before we go to the thing. So we gave him two pieces of pie. Like, How much? We're like, oh, don't worry about it. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. How much? So we said, all right, five bucks. They left like three hundred bucks for <laughs> right, for, and they said, pass it out to your whole staff. Sure. So they were really good people. That's great, and it was a really good uh experience.
3: Barely brought up pie and. <clears throat> it would be I would be remiss oh it's on my list we're going to
2: talk about strawberry
1: pie here. That, let's go go yeah. ahead okay <laughs>
3: well that started
1: with well let's 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 set it so in case you're listening to this um strawberry pie week was something that Jim's did and it became uh, a hysteria on fifth avenue ninth street in downtown Huntington world change with COVID and so forth so um I, I just want to kind of set the scene of what it what it you when, know, what it ended up. So, so where, where did it all begin? It, Let's start there. What, the beginning began, of Strawberry
3: it, Pie Week. It began several, several years ago when
2: Phyllis— the How, girl, how long? I mean— Oh, me, gosh. I, I mean, seven, 60s and 70s, okay. probably. Okay, okay.
3: Yeah. Uh, Phyllis, who was the girl, girl who grill woman yeah. who worked for 15, 15 to 75, grew some strawberries in her patch over in Ohio in her home. And she brought him over to bunny and and Bunny said, "Let's make a pie out of it." So they started making strawberry pie. It was kind of Bunny's recipe okay. and it's you know a lot of syrup, a lot of uh, no syrup uh, well sugar sugar uh, yeah a lot of sugar a yeah. lot of fattening stuff no, I a mean, lot, it, lot of healthy stuff don't yeah. don't uh, don't because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's it puts some calories right in. and we would have it. One week out of the year. Right. And it sold well, and we had people to to come. But it seems like when Jimmy got here
2: and the internet got here and— It was basically when Facebook and Instagram that makes and Twitter sense. Yeah. and any type of social media came on is when it went viral. Uh, we used to do— five six thousand pieces a week we it was a busy week but it wasn't anything Mm -hmm. we couldn't handle we let people take home four or five slices uh you know eating in just coming in you could have three or four whatever then instagram facebook and twitter happened and it became like you don't you don't live in huntington unless you put a picture on Instagram or Facebook that says you were here. That's right. So we went from, and I'm not going to know the dates, so don't ask me the dates. We went from one year doing five to 6,000 pieces a week to 12,000 in wow. one year. Doubling wow. it.
1: That, I, I believe year. that because it it did seem like it happened over just from one year to the next. It seemed like it was, it was a thing. I knew about it. I went I stopped it, going when it. I mean, I was like, I'm staying away from this place. Like, I it, like strawberry it, pie, it, but
3: not this place. It much. went from just having people maybe line up inside the restaurant. That's right. To where they were lining up inside, all the way up and down both sides, out the door and down <laughs> to the Huntington Junior Business College. Yes. And people would stand there for
1: hours. How hour? long would it take you? For that? I mean, it'd
3: take you probably, if you were at the end of the line, it'd take you— uh, 35 40 minutes to get inside and then another 10 or 15 to get a seat and so
2: it was uh, when we'd open up we people yeah, obviously they stood out in front of the door and down line down to where the business college is or <laughs> herald dispatch whichever way it wanted to go at that point so you'd have people that would wait in line they'd get in and then everybody would fill up the whole restaurant at one time and then they had to wait for those people to finish lunch to sit, so I mean, That's you right. had people waiting maybe two hours at some yeah, point. Yeah, sure. Um, it 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 got to be the point of where we we all oh, this isn't that big a deal to where oh my god this is this is too much, and uh, so we had to limit it. We like I said, we used to give each person that came in they could eat a piece there and take four pieces home. Well, if anybody has ever been into gyms or been upstairs of gyms, this is not a cheesecake factory or a big place there's only so much room we have upstairs and there's only so many workers we have that's right so we are doubling up on people uh people are coming in uh, early for their shift to, to cut strawberries we're hiring 30 20 to 30 extra people to cut strawberries so it, we had to limit it to one piece per person <laughs> and one piece per takeout and that's something that we don't want we don't want to do that we're not mean people. No. But it's also to the fact that where if we let people eat whatever they wanted to, nobody would have any. That's Because right. we can't keep up possibly with the demand. The, the demand. demand. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: We, we start, make, back then, we started making the pie shells in January. Oh, geez. And would freeze them because we're still making banana, chocolate, coconut. And then we had to make pie shells for the strawberry pie. So we started... In January and made shells and froze them. And so it still in wasn't May,
2: Still wasn't enough.
3: So in May, uh, and people, we had to hire people. My wife worked. There was a <laughs> lady that was from at First Century. She'd take her on her lunch. She'd come over and work.
2: Uh, We'd hire uh, college kids. Anybody yeah. that anybody wanted that to, anybody able and willing
1: to yes. cut strawberries. That was yes. really yes. What anybody they that,
2: that wanted to do it would do it. And um, it, it's it was just. It, it was just a a phenomenon. You, we'd have people, uh, you know, Jim's has a very loyal customer base, people that I know. We've talked about this earlier in this podcast. We'd have people that I've never seen before in my entire life. Oh, sure. Of course. That lived in Huntington. I believe it. And uh, a lot of the younger crowd, too, because the younger crowd is… Viral. Viral. And they, yeah, they, they yeah. want to say, oh, well, I went to Jim's. Look at my picture. Yes. Here's my picture of being at Jim's. Yeah. And uh, it was
1: exhausting. Exhausting. No, I yeah, I was going to ask do you: Do you still have? Do you wake up sometime in the middle of the night and think that it's uh, <laughs> middle of May and you oh my gosh, like. it, it
2: it it is. And I'm not kidding about this. It is 12 hours of nonstop work. And you know, you could say 12 hours of work at a desk. This is 12 hours on your feet, no stop, no. Just go for twelve hours. Sure, there is not a se- second in that place where a booth is empty. It is, has a a person in that seat at all moments. of And the you night. all don't
1: close like you don't take a break for in between no. lunch and dinner. It's it's open from open to close. Isn't you it's, know, it's not like you're resetting the restaurant? No, uh,
2: no, you know, no anything like that. And so <laughs> it, it just it's it was so big and and just it, you well,
3: know, COVID you couldn't do it.
2: No, that's right. No, and my and my aunt and I and my and and, you know the 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 way that we make the pie, the way it's so good is it's all fresh. That's right. Nothing's nothing's artificial. Nothing's frozen. Nothing is sits up there all day or You can't make it. You know you can't make it two days in advance and then sell it because then the strawberries go bad and they're goopy and nasty. Right, right, right. It has to be made. The crust wouldn't be crunchy anymore. Right. It has to be made that day and.
3: Uh, almost within,
2: almost within like a couple hours. Yeah, Yeah. sure. And we, I mean, this is a family business. This is a business that has longevity employees. We only have two or three people that have ever done it. Right. And if you go upstairs, there's not enough room to, to mass produce stuff like that. Yeah. So this is a, a, a woman by the name of Patty Tyson, her uh, daughter, shell medley. Um, who did it 10 hours a day, just standing in the same spot while not only doing that, cooking enough spaghetti sauce for the week, enough right, right. Thousand Island dressing, enough blue cheese, enough potatoes, vegetables. And it's it's just overwhelming. I got
3: it. So what we've done the last couple of years is a couple of weeks before well, Strawberry Pie Week, yes. you put your name in a bowl and then we draw names and we give away. What is it? Ten pies a day for five days. Yeah. Barely, yes. We, and, and we just give them yeah. away. Uh, you know,
1: I, do an auction. I'm being dead for a charity. <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see what one oh, of those pies would, would go it for. Would, it. It would go yeah, high. that would be interesting. Would Let's high. see what happens
3: there. Yeah. So. <laughs> auction off ten pies a day at three o'clock or whatever. It's, it and, it, it, and it was always charity. F-
2: it was always very special to us and, yeah. and, and something that we love to do for the community. Uh, people have been supportive and been not been supportive of what we've done over sure. the last couple years. Uh, but what people don't realize, and I want people to realize, is this is just not a snap your fingers and we have this event. No, I got it. This is an event that has to be well thought out, well planned, well manned. And... Uh, it's just something that is very, very difficult. Nobody really knows how much work goes into. No, I believe this. it.
1: I do. And, and again, I know we, we've talked about gyms. That you know, if you're, if you're looking for change, go across the street to the to the bank or or, or whatever. But regardless, change is still inevitable. No matter Absolutely. what, at the end of the day. And, and this is just another change. Again, the world has changed so much after COVID. It just has. And, and this is just uh, another another change. That's all. But so. it took my dad
3: forever. To change and bring in Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> tell me tell me about Go ahead. Tell me about that. A, a buddy of mine, Dick Smith, begged my dad for Diet what, Coke. What for years? Ten, ten years in the 70s, okay. 80s. Dad had that Coke machine, and he liked the way it looked, and it didn't have a slot for Diet Coke. And as far as he was concerned, we didn't need Diet Coke. Right. Now, of course, we sell as much yeah. Diet Coke as we well, But— that was just
1: my dad. So I, I think that I, I had the first ever Coke Zero at gyms. I remember, I, I love Coke Zero. And I walked yeah. in, I went, oh my gosh, that's Coke Zero. And they, they they I remember like, Bradley, somebody got it. Oh, that's just Reeves. <laughs> you,
2: would, you would be like, you need Coke Zero. And then I thought about it, and I've had a lot of, we had a lot of customers ask us for it. And I said... Let's just do it. Why don't we do it? Because then you have like two Diet Coke things yes. at one top. Yeah, two. Uh, we had two Diet Coke spigots. Yeah, at one spigots. Time. That's the word and, I was looking for. Uh, you know, I've probably changed more things in two months than my grandfather changed in seventy years. <laughs> yeah. So that's just you know, there's some things that just have to change. That's, uh, exactly, they just have to.
1: So, so Jim's just celebrated, um, you know, eighty-five years. You know, what what goals? And where, where do you see gems in the next 15 years as we're getting closer to to, to year number 100?
3: Uh, we take it one year at a time. You know, uh, as I said, uh, there's no tweel other than Bradley coming along. So we'll just keep plodding along. We don't like to look too far ahead. Uh, we keep our nose to the grindstone and just try to repeat what we did yesterday, today. And if we can do that, then we're going to be open uh, for as long as we can. And uh, we just hope everybody's health stays good. And, and we hope we still continue to put out a good product and treat our customers nice. And they'll, they'll stay loyal to us. Uh, couldn't ask for a better customer base uh, and, and loyal customers and and our current employees i mean i've talked a lot about you know the employees that we've had in the past we've got employees that are working for us now that have been there 30 40 22. oh yeah that's right lots of people have been over yeah. there
2: 10 years yeah lots
3: yeah so i mean it, we we still have a solid workforce and we hope to be around for a while
1: last question um bradley larry what's your favorite thing on the menu what's your favorite thing
2: I mean, I'm going to have to say it's spaghetti because I eat it a lot. Uh, I'm kind of – I eat it a lot because it's quick for me, and I don't have a lot of time. I got it. And so I can get it down real quick, real fast. It's real easy to make. Uh, I'm probably going to go with that. Yeah, I'm going to go with that.
3: Uh, I would say the lunch number three, which is a steak sandwich – on rye with cheese, cooked the way I like it,
1: and banana pie. Love it. Yeah. All right. Did I miss anything?
2: I don't no, think so. No. I mean, I'm
3: sure we've talked more sure than. There. No, no,
2: no. I'm sure that we could go on forever. We could but, do a whole do a whole episode just on strawberry pie week. Uh, I mean. You could. <laughs> well, you could.
3: let me just say this. You know, lots of people say, "Gosh, you all got a really limited menu," and we do. That's okay. But. but Back in the 50s and 60s, my dad had filet mignon Mm -hmm. on a a platter, had baked potatoes, had chicken. We had fried shrimp that was to die for. And all of these things have kind of gone by the wayside because – well, some because they're very expensive. And we try not to get our menu prices too high for the folks that we serve. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're not – a, a fancy restaurant that has alcohol and and you can make a lot of money off of. Uh, there's a there's a big margin on alcohol, That's but right. there's not a big margin on food. So we try to make it so that it's quick, it's tasty. You can get in and get out, and you're you're not going to spend two hours at gyms.
2: No, it's a good family atmosphere. Uh, lots of anywhere any range from. 80 to 90 year olds to people in high chairs.
1: Well, and I, and I love that too. I think that's important. Um, it's an 85 year old restaurant, but I don't know what the average age is, but it's not 85 years old. I mean, it, it, you're getting that younger generation to come in there and maybe that's that's where Bradley's at that third generation, but it's, that's a good thing, right? There's some restaurants yeah. that are, that have been around uh, restaurants, businesses that have been around for 40, 50 years, and you look at their customer base, this, these people aren't gonna, they're, they're gonna die off. And no, Jim's is still, I think, healthy in in terms of who's going there and all that kind of stuff. Try try to treat everybody correctly and with respect and you'll get them to come
2: back. Sure. You want good, like, like my grandfather, good food, consistency, ambiance, good food, good service. This has been in your business. I'm your host Reeves Kirtner. Thanks for listening.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, share, and even leave us a review. Season one of In Your Business, presented by Moses Automall of Huntington. MosesMeansMore.com, empowered by the Huntington Regional Chamber of Commerce and Kindred Communications.
0: This is Jason Moses, Executive Manager of Moses Automall of Huntington, where Moses means more. Thanks for listening to In Your Business.